You are listening to the Pay Me Inequity Podcast, where money and motivation meet. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Asarte Yarnway, and together we'll embark on a journey to explore ways that we can design your wealth on your terms through equity and more. So sit back, turn your speakers up, and enjoy the show. This podcast is brought to you by Burknell Financial Group, a fee-only independent wealth management firm serving clients who get paid equity across the country. Through their right planning process, Burknell tasks itself with creating roadmaps to help their clients reach their financial goals. For more information, visit burknell.com. You are listening to another episode of the Pay Me in Equity podcast. I'm your host, founder and managing director of Burknell Financial Group, Desarte Yarnway. Yes, I got the introduction right that time. This episode is one that I'm super excited about. I mean, since I've met this man in 2019, I think my whole world has changed. Like, I think we met in person at Wellstack conference yeah. in Phoenix, Arizona. And I remember after the panel that I had with Tyrone, um, Justin Castelli, Taylor Schulte, all those guys, Doug Bonaparte was on the pot on that, on that panel as well. He came up to me. He was like, you know what? You didn't say a lot, but what you did say resonated with me. And it packed a punch, right? And I, I thought about that, that little line that you said to me, that whole like fall. And I was like, whatever I do, I want to make sure that it's impactful. And I've kind of carried that with me and we're working together now and it's just been an amazing ride. So thank you, Jason. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Wink. Hey man, it's a, it's a pleasure. And uh, so glad that I had the courage to go and, and introduce myself and kind of start that, you know, journey. I, I've been a, a lurker. I've been following your work actually well before Wellstack, you know, and, and so I think you already had me kind of, kind of hooked. And then like your delivery of practical advice for fellow financial planners on how they can be more impactful with their uh, sort of marketing and client uh, engagement. I mean, just like was so spot on, man. So, so it's been a, an absolute joy to work together these last couple of years. For sure. It's been dope. Many more years to come. Yeah. Sure. Um, I want I to just give you the opportunity to introduce yourself for those who don't know you. I'm pretty sure a lot of my demographic knows you because obviously we've done the Human Advisor podcast. Shout out THA and all the folks at Altruist. Um, we've done that together a couple of times. Just give them a brief introduction of, of who you are and what you do. Sure. So uh, I'm Jason Wank. I'm the founder CEO of Altruist. Um, and uh, we're a, a digital custodian for independent financial advisors. Um, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for 18 years, I guess, 19 years, almost 20 years. Wow. It's kind of time, time flies. Um, mm-hmm. And I sort of just officially passed half my life in this industry, sort of, you know, uh, been, been pretty, uh, I started in the year 2000. So I yeah, so a little over half my life has been, been spent kind of in pursuit of this idea of making financial advice better, more affordable and available to everybody. And, and so it's been a, you know, each new venture that I start, um, you know, I kind of feel like I learn a ton and, and kind of been able to build up altruistic sort of the culmination of, you know, 18 years of, uh, of, of, of learning and, um, you know, so certainly a handful of successes, but like a lot of mistakes, you know, you learn a ton, uh, when everything's on the line and, and you know, so it's, um, uh, yeah, I love the spirit of your podcast. Um, you know, the, I'm, I'm a big believer in equity, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so it's, uh, <clears throat> goes without saying that, that, um, 
I'm probably unemployable myself. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I only, I only, I only know how to kind of start and run my own ventures. Um, and they've all been really focused on this, like same kind of mission, you know, kind of, uh, making financial business better. So I want to talk about that. So this whole podcast, the namesake is a book that I wrote back in 2019 called pay me an equity. And in that book, I was trying to pretty much take look at equity from a different lens in the sense that I think that there's multiple things that make for a full life, right? So obviously part of that is going to be your wealth, right? Your health, fitness, your community, philanthropy, the spirit of giving back. But I want to focus on this aspect of personal equity, right? Like building personal equity and betting on yourself. When I think about you and I think of all of you done, I try to emulate those steps and I'm like, hey, I'm trying to do that because I think that that is growing equity. And, and, and I think that starts with betting on yourself, right? So I know that on this podcast, the listeners that we have, they're in tech. They've probably exited once or twice because they worked at a unicorn startup or one of their firms got acquired. They're thinking about building their own things, right? What was it that made you want to go out and say, hey, I know this, I know this early, I'm unemployable, right? <laughs> for, for, for me to live the life that I want to live, to get the things that I want to get, to provide for my family, I'm going to go out there and I have to take a big bet on myself. Take me back to that place. What made you do that? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think, um, so I, ironically, I might, my, uh, I've never actually started a company thinking a lot about my own personal financial gain. You know, it's been more about solving a problem. And what I, what I learned is um, that in larger organizations, um, there was so much bureaucracy, there's like so much friction, you know, between like idea and implementation, that if I really wanted to make an impact, so if I really wanted to, if the goal was to help people, for example, I needed to remove as much friction you know, wasted time, wasted money, wasted energy as I possibly could and, and really get right to working on solving the problem. Um, and so, you know, the, the um, I guess like, what was I thinking about um, being unemployable? Not necessarily, but I did, I, I've always had a bit of a um, struggle with, um, with authority, you know, so like someone telling me, this is how you do something. Like I like to solve problems um, and I love to come to my own conclusions. So rather than like learning by someone just telling me this is the way it is and that's all there is to it. And don't worry about why, like, I want to know the why like, I want to do the research. I want to, you know, kind of get my, my hands dirty um, and figure things out. And, um, and for a lot of those reasons, I mean, it led me to entrepreneurship. And, um, you know, I do think that you can still be an employee stakeholder of an organization and make a huge impact, but I would never want to be part of an organization that um, that gets too corporate and bureaucratic and slow moving. And I mean, those things really stifle innovation, progress. And you know, I, I uh, there's only so much time, right? That we all have. Like, I want to use every like second of that time to make as big an impact as I can. And I think you can do that as an entrepreneur or as part of an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial organization. Um, and in my case, it was, you know, I wanted to found them and, and build them and, and let other people be part of them too. So when you say, Hey, I wasn't good with authority. Like I, I think I was a rebel growing up because I mean, I come from an African household and it's like, you do what you're told, you know, you know, your mom is like the queen of the village. Don't say anything or get smacked type of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I mean, you abide by the rules. Obviously, you got to be respectful, right? You got to honor your parents. But in some sense, I was like, I want to explore something different. 
right? So when was that moment for you that you were like, hey, I don't do well with authority. I am curious by nature and I want to lean into that curiosity. Yeah, so, so I'd say um, um, I also was, <laughs> was raised um, to very much respect, um, especially my right. mother. I had a single, you know, most of my life was a single uh, parent household with just my mom. And so, um, yeah, like, I mean, she was the queen. And, and, uh, but I would say that, you know, she was incredibly supportive of her kids being creative. You know, she didn't want us to be like put in some box and have some educational institution tell us like there's only one path, you know, to sort of our future successes. Um, and so she was extremely supportive of all sorts of crazy ideas. Nothing, nothing was like, again, it could have been, you know, Hey, I want to build a rocket that lands on, you know, Mars, which today actually doesn't sound crazy, but you know, 30 years ago probably sounded crazy. She would have been like, yeah, like you should, you should do that. Like, so that was kind of um, really helpful because uh, unfortunately, you know, I think this is maybe the case all over the world, but certainly where I grew up in, in uh, the Midwest, um, there was sort of an expectation of following a plan, like a path, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the Midwest is largely known for like a more blue collar work ethic, a lot of manufacturing. And so it's almost like you're raised with like, um, there's very little sort of like, for example, like entrepreneurship or free thinking right. or creative kind of problem solving. It was very much like, let's get these kids through school. Let's get the, let them learn a trade and let's get them into, you know, some type of manufacturing facility where they pull levers and push buttons for the next 40 years. And then hopefully they retire, right. And have social security pension, whatever. Like, is it still like that there? It, it's, it's evolved some for sure, but yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's not a lot different. You know, I think that the, we get spoiled. Those of us who will work in the tech industry, mm-hmm. it's, it's um, now the world's getting a little flatter because I think COVID sort of accelerated distributed workforces a lot faster mm-hmm. than what had been accepted in the past. So, you know, nowadays you can work in any rural location. And if you have the right skill set, um, you know, you can do just about anything. Um, but you know, for most of my life, that wasn't the case. So you had to work with, well, what is the local employment and where I'm from, it was farms and manufacturing, right? So that's, you were kind of raised to follow that path. I never wanted to do that. You know, and, and my mom didn't want me to do that. And so my, you know, kind of interaction with authority wasn't like a, a combative sort of thing. It was more of a, um, I wanted to just get out of that town and go see the world. You know, I wanted to ex- expose myself to, like opportunities that would not otherwise be available if I didn't leave um, where I grew up. And, and, you know, to get that mindset right, you had to be a little bit, um, you know, sort of, uh, and I wouldn't say anti-authority in a negative way, but like, you know, you had to be free thinker for sure. So let's talk about that because I know that people that are listening to the podcast right now, right? Sometimes, and I talk to my clients about this all the time, when they're trying to pursue something that is out of their comfort zone or that they believe that they can do, there's, they're always met with pushback. Now, through your entrepreneurial journey, have you ever been met with that pushback? Like somebody's like, you know what? That's a good idea, but I don't really understand it. So I don't think you should do it. Like, have you ever faced that before? <laughs> That's much kinder than the way I would do it, right? So people wouldn't even say it's a good idea. It'd be like, that is the shittiest idea ever. Yeah. Like no one will ever buy that product. No one would ever sign up for that service. Like, why don't you just do it this way, right? Um, right. And so, uh, especially in the industries that have been around a long time, so you look at like traditional financial services, like certain things had just been done a certain way because they'd been done a certain way. And, you know, and people had a really hard time accepting that there could be a better way. 
Um, and the best way to kind of invent those better ways was to not be sort of tainted by the industry itself, you know, so, um, you know, uh, I, I rarely look to the existing industry for inspiration around like what yeah. I should and shouldn't do, because if I did, all I would have heard is like, that's a stupid idea. Right. And uh, I, I didn't want to hear that. So, um, you know, I much rather a huge believer in this concept of like, um, you become the average of the people you spend the most time with. So. I spent a lot of time with people outside of financial services, people that were in you know, more creative um, or innovative fields. Um, I obviously am very much drawn towards anything that's, um, you know, I'd say like technology at its core, whether it's you know, internet of things, cloud, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, there, I mean, and folks who don't know, I mean, I started as an engineer, so like I was a developer, you know, and I, I loved kind of building software applications. So, you know, to me, um, when you are in that world, like there's like this weird permission, right? The move fast and break things sort of permission that does not exist in finance, you know? So, so like kind of bridging those things was always like, you know, something that I always felt was um, uh, really, really critical to, to making the kind of difference I wanted to make. So would you say that, you know, these different people, these creators are influential into the way that you think about risking or taking risk on yourself and building things? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think um, the, uh, you know, I, I don't know who to, to give credit to for, for this sort of construct of like, um, there are people who have a, an abundance mindset, and there's people who have a scarcity mindset. Um, yeah. Yeah, again, I've read about it so long, ago, I can't remember where I read it from. But uh, I think most people have heard those, those terms. Um, but I feel like the, um, the, the most innovative people in the world have an abundance mindset you know, and so they're not making decisions based on fear. And so it's not that scary to bet on yourself, right? Like right. that's like the, that's the shortcut. That is the secret, right? Like to, again, massive, you know, sort of scale and speed and innovation. Um, and uh, yeah, surround yourself with those people. And it's a lot less scary to, to go, to go and, and start your own venture. I have a question because when I, when I see you and I see people like Emlyn, and I see people just that I'm associated with, right? So one of my clients, man, he's starting linebacker on the Miami uh, Dolphins. And the dude is just fearless, obviously physically fearless because he just run through a wall. But just w- the way that he thinks as well, right? It's just like, I cannot be stopped. Anything that I want to attain, I can, right? But to be that fearless, I think that the other side of the coin is being comfortable with failure. Like if I fail, I fail. What's your relationship with failure? And like, hey, if this doesn't work out, I'll take the lessons learned and I'll apply it to the next thing. Or what does what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think um, uh, again, like something really important people should think about. But yeah, I I, um, I have no fear of failure. That's for sure, right? And mm-hmm. I'm not a I'm not an athletic guy, right? I wasn't like blessed <laughs> with like I'm not like big enough to ever play linebacker. Other than like you know, if it was like um, you know a bunch of ten year olds or something, you know, then I could maybe hold my own. But um. Uh, but even in sports, you know, like these a sport as an analogy, like I never had fear, like I'd go play basketball. And like my mindset was who's the best player in the entire court. I don't care how big or small they were, how fast, how young, didn't make a difference. That's who I wanted to guard. And in my mind, I was going to lock them up. They were not going to touch the ball. If they did, they were not going to get a shot off. Um, they would, you know, and that was my mindset right now. I, I looked like, um, you know, I played like Alex Caruso or something, right? Which means mm-hmm. sometimes I looked like a hero and a lot of times I got postered, you know, but, um, but mindset wise, that was how my brain worked. It's been that way my whole life. I never felt there was someone who could beat me in a race. I never felt like, right. And it wasn't that I was competitive. It's just, I didn't fear losing. Like to me, the competition was fun, right. And, and building companies, 
I think that it, it, it's, it's very healthy for people to, um, you know, look, we should have a little self-doubt. That's okay. You know, you know I've talked about this term, um, a healthy amount of paranoia is good, um, mm-hmm. but not too much. You know, people do need to have like a, um, an acceptance that it's totally okay to fail, um, especially young people. So if you have anyone who's listening to this and they're, the, you know, 25, you know, whatever, anywhere in their 20s, I think there's like a lot of preconceived notions that like, um, you know, if uh, that we have to be in a hurry, like we have to be in a rush yeah. to get successful, you know, and, and the, the truth is um, there's no better time to fail than in your twenties, you know, like you've got so much in front of you, like there's so much opportunity. Um, and for me, like in the early days, I mean, I didn't have anything to lose. So, you know, I, cause I didn't have anything. I didn't have any money. Like I didn't, I didn't have a reputation to protect. So to me, it was like, swing big, like create really big, ambitious goals. Um, if something didn't work out, learn from it quickly, move on. It's totally okay. Um, and, uh, and as I've gotten older, like I just, you know, it's what's cool is once you have that mindset, it doesn't really go away. You know, now that I'm 40, like I'm still the same way. I'm, I wouldn't say it's reckless by any stretch, but it's just a, um, a willingness to take chances. Um, especially if they, if you believe they have a very asymmetric, you know, kind of, um, you know, sort of risk return profile, um, which yeah. again, I, I only like to do stuff that I feel like has that type of profile where I can, yeah, I might lose if I, if I fail, but when I win, like the difference it'll make in people's life will be like a you know, million X, right? Like the little bit of pain I might feel from my one failure. That makes sense. Something that you said, like people are always trying to move like they're rushing, right, to be successful. And yeah. I think I read a quote the other day and it said that be quick, but don't rush. Yeah. And I think that's like something that I want to do a lot of in 2022. Like I want to make sure that I'm making sound decisions fairly quickly, but I don't want to rush the process that it takes to get from point A to point B. And that's something that I'm really trying to do slow down. When you talk about healthy paranoia, I want to really zone in on that because before I press record, I was talking about having our first child and how paranoid I was like, I am experiencing so much anxiety surrounding this child because I want to be a good father. Right. I want to give him a great example. I lost my dad early. I'm like, I got to be healthy. I got to do all these things Um, for the entrepreneur. Right. That's taking a risk on themselves. How do you how do you work through that? this paranoia or this fear that you might have of starting something? And what practices do you have, Jason, that allow you to, you know, kind of reduce any stress or anxiety that you might feel as you, as you build your, your company? Yeah. So, so in terms of like, um, so to give credit where it's due, I, I first kind of had this discussion about healthy paranoia from Bill McNabb, who is the okay. former chairman, CEO of Vanguard. And you know, I've spent, yeah, I've spent some time with Bill. He's a great guy and so much wisdom, you know, and, 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 and so willing to share it, which is awesome. And, um, you know, and I was, I was asking him like about like, how much, how much should I be worried? You know, and what was interesting is he shared like, look, even at a company like Vanguard, he was running a, you know, multi-trillion dollar global leader in asset management, like one of the most respected, well-known companies in the world. He still admitted to having a healthy amount of paranoia, right? Like, and, and I think part of that is what allowed him to continue to push that company and the people that company forward. Um, so if it's okay for him, it's okay for all of us, right? Like we all should feel okay with a little bit of this healthy paranoia. Um, in, in terms of like, you know, how to deal with it, um, and harness it, I guess like one is, uh, I have very little of it. Like, I don't, I don't actually worry a ton, you know, part of it's because, um, you know, I, I find I'm not as productive if I'm operating from a place of fear, you know, so I try not to let myself go there again, I will go there. It's important to have a healthy amount. Um, but I generally don't, don't allow, allow it to stay there very long. Um, and some of the, the coping like mechanisms, I mean, again, real simple, but, um, 
Um, exercise is huge. You know, like, again, I, 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 uh, I believe in exercise basically every day. I mean, I, I barely take a day off. Run? You take the bike? What? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a, a, a run. I lift to do high intensity interval training. Like, um, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a time management freak. So like, I can't, I can't be one of these guys that spends two hours in the gym, which is why I don't have, I don't have a two hour in the gym body either. Like I'm more of like, <laughs> give me 30 to 45 minutes of like, of intense effort into something. And like, it's amazing, like how the chemical reactions start to make your mind more clear. And, uh, and so that's always really helpful. Um, and then I, you know, I kind of share with you, but you know, for those who are parents, like, um, man, like having, having kids is just so cool. Like they, you know, they operate in a very different world, especially little kids, like where like they are so unencumbered with worries and stresses and like letting yourself get in their world for a little bit. It's amazing. Like not only is it good for them and you know, it's good for us, it actually helps in business. Like it allows you to kind of like get that little moment of unplugging. That's really necessary um, to have the type of clarity you need to make intentional decisions at the right pace, right? Not too fast, not too slow. Um, and so, yeah, man, that's my, my techniques is um, no, no super, super science project type secret stuff, but I'd say, yeah. um, you know, uh, if people aren't taking care of their body, right. And they're not taking care of their mind, like they're going to burn themselves out. They'll have a hard time being a, a successful entrepreneur for sure. Take care of your mind and your body. That's a gym. I feel like it's so simple, but a lot of the times when we're trying to pursue something, we forget those two things first. It's like, I'm so married to the outcome of whatever project, whatever business I'm trying to scale, right? Um, my mind and my body take a back seat. And I see that happen with a lot of my friends. And I mean, I'm always tweeting about going to the gym because I know that that's a priority for me. But that's something that I hope everybody listening to this podcast in 2022 are able to do. Because if you, my mom told me today, she was like, hey, take care of yourself first and you'll be able to take care of everything else. Totally, and that's yeah. really, really, really what you have to do. I wanted to talk about like identifying talent. I mean, you have just this giving spirit. It doesn't surprise me that the name of the company is Altruist, right? And you give back so much. Like when you are looking for people to mentor or companies to invest in, what are some of those qualities that you look for in these people? Like they're already doing the work. Like what's Jason's rubric for helping somebody get to the next level? in their own careers. Yeah, I wish I could say I had like this, like, you know, here's my 10 point checklist, right? But yeah. um, at its core, you know, when I, when I built Altruist, one of the first things we did was created, um, you know, sort of a culture book. And in the culture book, we said, hey, what are gonna be three values that, that we want every single person on the team and the entire organization to, um, to really exemplify? And it was kindness, brilliance, and grit, right? Kindness is pretty straightforward, but it's just the way that you treat other people more than anything. Um, and it's usually really obvious, right? If someone's got a kind heart um, mm -hmm. and I like, I want to surround myself with kind people. Like I'm a Midwesterner or Midwest nice, you know, for my fellow Midwesterners Super out nice. there. Um, and so life's too short. I don't want to be around a bunch of negative people that are rude. So surround yourself with kind people. Um, and again, if I'm choosing to invest or mentor or build a relationship, basically anybody, like they better have these same careers. So be kind, treat people well. Brilliance to me is actually um, a different kind of way of thinking about humbleness Okay. because like someone who's really brilliant in my view um, is a lifelong learner. Um, I'm going to give you big props here. And this is not just because we're talking right now, but like, I think it's one of the things that makes you so empathetic is that like, you're an incredibly accomplished person, right? Like your athletic background is insane, like professionally um, successful, um, incredible human being and, and uh, husband, that. right? You're just a good, good person. 
with zero ego, man, like zero ego. And, and to me, that's brilliance, right? Is the people who are like constantly working to get better and better and better and doing it with no ego. Like that's pretty awesome. Um, and then grit is real simple too, right? That is just, um, do you like doing hard work? <clears throat> because very few things in life that are worth doing are easy, right? Very few things that have a yeah. big payoff are easy. Um, and we have to be willing to do the hard work. So, right, if, if, if we can index, you know, the people we surround ourselves with, kindness, brilliance, grit, they index high. Um, if they have shortcomings in sort of their tactical skill set or if they don't have the appropriate experience or if their business model needs some tweaking or if they, like, need to better understand how to, you know, grow the sort of TAM of their, you know, feature-based product to, like, an entire real company, right? These are all things that we can learn. Um, and, and those are far easier to get someone like to level up in than those like three kind of core human characteristics of like kindness, brilliance, grit. So that's kind of my, uh, my, my rubric, if you will. That's awesome. I want to ask you a question about what you're excited about, right? When you think about 2022 and everything that the, the amount of opportunity that lies ahead of us this year, obviously there are things going on in the world that we have no control over. Omicron virus, you know, different things can say a bunch of things about the state of the world right now. But what are you excited about? What, what, like you wake up in the morning, you're like, hey, this is awesome because I get to pursue this. What are those things? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a very, very fortunate uh, person. Um, so I have lots of things I guess I wake up that I'm excited about. But, you know, I get to work with like awesome people, um, which mm -hmm. is really cool. So, that is one of the benefits if you're an entrepreneur like you kind of get to choose you know who those people are you spend a lot of time with and, and you spend a lot of time with your colleagues so choose them wisely um and that's probably why like again cultural indexing is so important right because those would be people you work with but i get to work with like awesome people i love you know I, obviously i work in financial advice so i get to work with financial advisors um i'm really really bullish about like the future of financial advisors um Likewise. there's a lot of I think there was an era, right, where it was like the Gordon Gecko era, where it was like greed is good, and right, you created all these greedy brokers, you know, slinging products, and you know, um, there's this whole new generation of financial planner. Um, I think you're you're a big part of that, um, and others like like you, Sarte, that I get to work with, and I'm like, man, these are good human beings. Um, they don't, they actually are a bit anti-authority, right? The, the folks we work with, these independent registered investment advisors, like they've kind of planted a you know a stake in said, we're just going to work for our clients. I don't want to work for some big company, right? Like I'm, I'm going to do, do like important work at the individual client level. I love all of the unique things that are happening. Um, we get to work with advisors that, you know, part of like the Altruist platform is designed to make it a lot more affordable for people to build and launch, you know, new firms. Um, and I, I realize like if you're not a financial advisor listening to this, this probably bores you to death, but this is important because more people need access to financial planners. Um, and there's so many unique needs that people have that big companies are bad at serving unique bespoke needs, right? This is why like, you know, big hotel chains are all the same, but like, you know, yeah. smaller, unique, right? Boutique kind of uh, venues, um, they cater to like a very specific kind of archetype, um, you know, visitor. Financial plans do the same thing and they can serve people um, in ways that, that get access. So again, it could be people who are making minimums really low, could be people who are, uh, because of the virtual nature of how advice is accessible now, they're working with people in parts of the country or parts of the world that couldn't otherwise get it because there's no local kind of like localization of service. Um, the price points are getting 
more affordable because there's better technology that enables these advisors to do really great work at scale. So, you know, I, I, I'm just like super spoiled. Like I get to look at the world from a lens of like, there is an, an enormous amount of like, um, you know, great people um, pursuing, I think, really meaningful work that changes the lives of millions of people. And I get to like be right in the middle of all of it. It's super exciting. Um, yeah. And yeah, you're totally right. I'm not, I'm not jaded. Like the world is not like all unicorns and rainbows and there's a lot of negativity. Um, and there's also a lot of challenges. Um, and so, you know, certainly I'm aware of that as well, but I'm, I'm very fortunate when I start thinking about the positives, like I got, there's just so many of them, um, like life is better than I deserve for sure. For sure, man. For the for the person listening to this, right? Give them one one bit of advice. If they're pursuing something, if they're trying to grow their personal equity in terms of living a full life and being able to design their full life, I strongly believe that you can be intentional and create the life that you want to live. And all our listeners know that. Um, I think they believe in it, right? And they're working towards creating their best lives. So for you, somebody who I see is consistently learning and building their their perfect life, what would you say to the person listening right now that's trying to do the same? Yeah, I mean, I think, so, so there's this like saying, I think that, um, uh, it's not saying, it's something I read years ago from Seth Godin, who's a, an author I, I admire his work a lot, but it was a blog post and it was a one sentence blog post, right? For you know, Seth Godin's blog, like a lot of his blog posts are like, one to three sentences, you know, they're like really just kind of stoic almost. But he had one who said, um, it just, the, the whole entire thing, it just said, it's okay to stop when you're happy. And I think that's interesting because it really means like two things. Like one is like, if you're, if you're happy, like, don't feel like you've got to go and like, mm-hmm. like it, like not everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody needs to start a company. Not every new company that started needs to be a unicorn, right? Like it's okay. Like if you're happy, it's okay. Like that's good. I think on the other end, like the other way to perceive that is like, it's okay to keep working hard if you're not happy, you know? And, um, and, and happiness is a strange construct. Like there's like, like, like it's a very broad (laughs) thing, but I'd say like, if I'm thinking, if I'm trying to zero specifically on the career aspect of it, like if I feel like, man, I, I could help more people, I could make a bigger impact. I could leave a bigger legacy. Um, you know, I'm not happy with like, if my life ended right now, and I was looking at like, what, what am I remembered for? If I can't say I'm happy, then you have permission to keep working. Like it's okay. Right. Yeah. And that might mean yeah. the permission to make a big change, take a big risk. Right. Um, but on the flip side, like there's a lot of people, I mean, I think we both have some shared friends that like, I, I look at them very enviously. Cause I'm like, man, like they have such full lives. They're so rich. They're so full. They're such happy people, good people. It's okay. Not, we don't have to go out there and like kill ourselves in pursuit of something that will not increase our level of happiness. Right. So right. Um, hopefully that like uh, helps people a little bit, um, whether you're on one side of that, you know, kind of internal debate, right. Or the other. I, I need to get somebody on here to talk about the happiness index. Like how do we measure <laughs> happiness? That's another idea that I just got from you, man. But I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me on the payment equity podcast. Before I let you go, where can people find you online to follow up with all the cool things that I know you're doing and will do in 2022? Yeah, I'm not like a, I'm not super popular online, I guess. I don't have like, you know, 50 different handles, but Twitter is the most common place to find me pretty straightforward at Jason Wink. So J-A-S-O-N-W-E-N-K. And, uh, and you can usually keep tabs on me there. Awesome. Well, you know where to find us, www.berknell.com, at the Sarte Yarnway on Twitter. Follow Jason Wink. He's doing a bunch of cool things, and you don't want to miss it. Until next time, onward to greatness, greatness, my friends. The Berknell Client Community is an inclusive community of ambitious individuals, families, and business owners who are impacting the world in their own special way. 
you're interested in learning more, visit BurkeNow.com to schedule your consultation. And be sure to follow me at the Sarte Yarnway on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on this podcast. Until next time, onward to greatness.